Hello, welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. My name is Cody Schweikert. I'm so free, I got no chains on me, all right? And uh, you boys are free too. Uh, I'm, I'm joined today, tonight. It's late. It's very late. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very late. But we the show must go on. This is good radio. It's going to be uh, maybe our least insightful but most hilarious episode ever. That's my prediction. We'll see how it goes. Mm. Uh, I'm here with Rich Chrisman. How are you, Rich? What's up? I'm uh, moments away from falling asleep. <laughs> it is uh, Saturday night of Jubilee Conference 2020, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um but it is late. It is it is after dark, and I'm <laughs> I'm falling asleep. But I'm here to share with you guys what I my favorite parts of today. Excellent. Uh, before we go there, Rich, you jump in the gun now. <laughs> I, I just want to introduce everyone. Uh, Sean is here. Sean Hello is in everyone. the house. How are you, Sean? I'm doing well. I'm all, I'm also fading here. <laughs> no, we. This is gonna be good, boys. Hang in there, Zach. Tell me. Talk to me. Hey, Cody. You look electric. You look like. Wired, you're so awake. Uh, Nathan, how are you? I'm doing well. There are no strings on me. Richard, now, my good sir, after we've introduced all our friends, would you please uh, tell us what what's your big takeaway from today? If I had to distill one thing to talk about that I think was m- the the biggest gem for me from day two of Jubilee 2020. Uh, was I went to, I actually, uh, Forefront Fest, we've been volunteering at Jubilee this year. So uh, we all got the opportunity to, uh, there are five of us here, and we all got the opportunity to kind of break off into these different workshop sessions and uh, assist there and record for their podcast, which is a pretty cool opportunity. Um, And I got the chance to go to a workshop session with Scott Erickson, who many of you may know just as Scott the Painter from uh, Instagram. He also um, shared the time uh, space with Justin McRoberts, a musical artist. Um, I could tell right away that these guys are uh, longtime friends, which is super cool. I had a fantastic time at this workshop. Uh, I didn't really know exactly what to expect going in as far as content, but I knew that they were going to be talking about how, like the title of the workshop was how to make it, quote unquote, make it in the arts world. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. If you're unfamiliar, Jubilee Conference is targeted mainly towards college students. So I was like, okay, you know, what are we going to get here? I was just blown away by how it was so honest. The The talk they gave was very uh, real and honest, and it felt like we were just having a conversation about their uh, careers and trajectories as creatives uh, back when they were students and how they are now both as professional artists that are uh, at a point, and as they said in a season right now where they're uh, financially successful as well. So uh, Scott and Justin, if you guys are listening, uh, I was very impressed with the way that you guys structured the workshop. Um, The fact that you guys really didn't spend too much time. uh, They made the joke that they were giving their superhero origin stories of how they became artists. Um, So they both took turns giving their superhero origin story, but then gave an equivalent amount of time for Q and a, as they did giving their background and in a workshop like that with a bunch of students and artists that are, you know, kind of coming into their own, I think a Q and a was like the best way to hold that session because what people are really looking for is like almost like tips and tricks, you know, like how did you do what you did? And, um, you guys can actually listen to this talk, uh, through Jubilee. 
uh, when everything is processed and goes up on their website. Yeah, listen to all of them. So I'm not going to, you know, give it away for you. But the thing that I took away, I mean, besides uh, Scott telling us that artists, uh, if you've ever seen Captain Planet, he spent time (laughs) explaining to us that uh, the fifth element in Captain Planet is the, the element of heart. And he was saying that the artists of the world, we are the, you know, you got like, uh, what is it? Air, earth, fire, water, and heart. And he was saying artists are the necessary fifth element, like the heart. Uh, uh, so, tr- so true. So that was great. But beyond that, the thing that uh, that I really took out of it uh, the most that really just struck me was um, a lot of students were asking in the Q&A questions that sort of led in one way or another to the question of how do I do my art professionally when I'm not making a lot of money from it right now, or they're asking, they're saying like, you know, it, it's really hard for me to get traction. Nobody's looking at my work or listening to me or, or whatever. Um, you know, what should I do? And I was just really impressed that both of these guys are like, you know, living, you know, they're serious artists, living the artist's life. Um, they were just so, so real and so practical with their response to those questions. Just saying like, look, there's nothing wrong with having a plan B. And like living, you know, doing your art um, in the space of time that you can do it. Um, like okay, Scott slowly ramping it up or something. Yeah. And like yeah. Scott was telling the story that there was like a season in his life where he was only able to do art for three hours at any given time. I forget if it was like three hours in a week or three hours in a day or I forget the specifics. But essentially the, the point was they and, and this is kind of what I'm getting to is they both said you if you want to be an artist regardless of whether it's your primary thing or you know a side thing you have to make time on your calendar they were saying like a calendar is the artist's best friend because if you don't block things in your calendar other people will make your calendar for you justin said and i was like that is so true yeah again not trying to give anything away but you know another thing that was just so cool was you know kind of on that note was they both did a uh really great justice to talking about the fact that um, even though they're experiencing success in the arts right now, they were very clear to share with everyone assembled that the artist's life is not this like meteoric rise trajectory. Like they were talking about how there have been many more times of lean life than success and that that these moments of success ebb and flow. You know, and I think that if you want to be an artist, you have to want to be an artist and not want to be like if you if you want to be an artist for fame or money or whatever it's not going to work out like you you have to be an artist because you are an artist like god made you to be an artist but, but what you said reminded me of uh what ellen vaughn said who was leading a, a session she was writing and it was about the ex- excellence in writing and she said that you cannot love writing you can only love what you're writing about so if you focus on this idea of loving writing, the just the act of writing, and, and you lose focus of what you're writing about, the people or the stories or the ideas that you're writing about, then um, you've you've kind of you can't really be a great writer. It's gonna dry up, probably. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's a great point. Anything else, Rich? No, I think that's it. I definitely encourage you guys to um, like look up these guys on uh, you know social. And also to uh, make sure you take the time to like look up Jubilee and listen to the talk. I think it was fantastic. So again, that's um, Scott the Painter at Scott the Painter and at Justin McRoberts, M-C-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Excellent. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, Sean, you want to just we want to go around the table here? I love it. Let's Be do orderly. It. Okay. Yeah, I. So this has been a busy podcasting day. Well, busy podcasting weekend, but um, today we had the awesome opportunity, kind of an impromptu last minute scramble. Uh, quick timetable here, but we got to we made it happen. We did. We we went out to the car, grabbed the equipment, and we had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Jake Medor for a little bit. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny how this all played out because I came here. I didn't really know what to expect um, in terms of like what organizations would be here and like the broader orbit of what's happening here. And we're walking right into the main entrance there, and I see a table for the Davenant House, which is a which is a run by the Davin Institute, which is a really awesome organization that I've uh, done some like classes with and some work with before. Um, so it was a pleasant surprise. And I actually got to connect with Michael Hughes, who's the representative and he's like running the Davin house and the programs there and stuff. And then when we were sitting the first session last night, <coughs> excuse me, um, Rich mentioned that he saw Jake Mitor, which I had no idea he was going to be here as well. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, and so it turns out that Jake was giving a talk today on his recently published book, uh, In Search of the Common Good, Christian Fidelity in a Fractured Age, I think is the subtitle. Um, I read that back in like the summertime, and it was very, very impactful. And, and there's a particular there's a few ideas that we get into the podcast a little bit that have resonated with me, and I've actually kind of dug into them a, lo- a little bit deeper. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great because I don't know, like when you interact with a a book or like a longer piece of writing or thinking on a topic, it's always good to return back to it, particularly if it was like worthwhile to do that, you know? So it was great to, to see Jake and to have the opportunity to hear him talk a little bit more, more about his book. He, he kind of introduced his talk with some other material that he didn't include in the book, which is always interesting and engaging. Um, and then I got a chance to talk with him afterwards and I just said, Hey, you you know, we've got some podcasting equipment. You want to like sit down and talk (laughs) for a little bit. And he was super gracious. He had a little time slot and we kind of, me and Nate went out to the car, grabbed some equipment. The hustle. It was, it was clutch, (laughs) but it was great. We got a chance to talk to him for about 20 minutes or so. We got, got into some, the idea of the book is that, um, there are common goods. I mean, there's a lot to it, but there are common goods that the church ought to be um, participating in, uh, reinforcing, uh, multiplying within the world, and that there is a way that that will speak to a lot of the despair, a lot of the brokenness that's happening within our world right now. And uh, I think there that intersects pretty clearly with what we're doing here. Uh, I think the, yeah. the work of the church uh, is strongly in line with uh, the production and the crafting of beautiful things um, to put out into the world to put within our churches and our, our spiritual um, havens and places that we gather and stuff. Yeah, so, and that was your question to him, like how does the artist take part in yeah. this work toward the common good? It was awesome. Yeah. So we got a good chance to talk about some of that stuff. Um, and then also, like I said, one of the ideas that has been sticking with me has been this idea of the eternal impact and almost this like amplification of what we're doing now forward into the um, the new heavens and the new earth that we're going to be living with in, uh, alongside Christ. He talks about this beautiful picture in Revelation where the kings of the nations come and present their glory to God. And I think that obviously has some clear 
artistic implications. I think there's going to be some amazing pieces of music that are presented, some Shakespeare, some beautiful literature and um, visual art. And um, so that was great. It was it was awesome. I, I got a chance to meet Jake uh, at the Front Porch, Front Porch Republic convention back in um, September. Um, so it was cool seeing him again, and like I said, it was very gracious of him to sit down and talk you guys with are, us. So. You guys are bros now. At basically. You're buddies. Second time. Second time's a charm. <laughs> Take it slow, man. Take it slow. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, of course, um, ho- hopefully on the podcast feed you've been able to listen to that interview already, and so I guess it's it's probably kind of cool to be able to reflect on that yeah. after you've already listened to it um, to, to for, you know, Sean and I to kind of say what were our thoughts looking back on that. For me, one of the neat things was that, um, you know, Jake talked about how an assistant pastor that he knows was involved in Macbeth and, and played the role of Duncan in, in Macbeth in like a community theater production. Um, and it was, it's just so cool to think about a pastor being intimately involved in the arts and really caring about that. Uh, even apart from the the kind of evangelical value that arts might have, but just the fact that it's a beautiful thing and, and worthy of taking part in in and of itself. And I was reflecting on that too, because later in the day, I met uh, another volunteer at Jubilee. His name was Bryce. Shout out to Bryce. And, and Bryce talked about how he is a drummer at his church and he's, he's looking to become a pastor. Um, but like in doing that and in, in, in training in theology and how to become a pastor, people are like coming to him and asking him, Hey, can you like teach my kids to play the drums? Um, and he's completely self-taught, but that's like a passion of his alongside theology. And I love that because sometimes you'll hear people kind of pit, um, like pastoral ministry against the arts as, Mm -hmm. as in like, Oh, like artists do more good than preachers ever did or vice versa. Like a life Um, of the mind versus a life of the emotions or something. Yeah. And I think there's, there's so much harm in that kind of view. I don't, I don't think it's a zero sum game like that. I think, um, preaching is of vital importance and I also think the arts are, and I don't think they're in conflict with each other. Like that's why we have scripture and mountains. I think God likes both of those things. And so I think it's so cool for us here at Jubilee to be interacting with people who who know and are people who both preach the word of God and take part in the arts and just love doing both of those things. So that's been something that's really cool for me. A cool thing to, to add on to there is that not only are they not mutually exclusive, they actually enrich each other, particularly if they're inhabiting the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the example that Jake gave, um, he said that his daughter was familiar with this, this, uh, pastor. I think he, he had baptized her and obviously he had, you know, he'd spent a lot of time around his daughter. And then so to see him in this artistic forum, participating in this process of making, uh, art alongside other people, it enriched, like it drew her into this process more so than it would have if it was a random guy, like she followed him on the stage, she watched his reactions and obviously he was a, a key figure in, in the play, but there was a way in which his uh, like vocation as a pastor actually uh, amplified or enriched her, his daughter's experience of, of the art that he was making. It's pretty cool. So cool. Uh, that's why we come to these things, right? To meet people and yeah. connect and make connections. And ultimately it's about relationships. So that's, very cool. Very good stuff. Uh, Zach, what do you have for us, my man? Yeah. 
So I met a man named Steve Garber today, and I first heard Steve's name on a podcast, which was hosted, I think in 2017, by the musician Sandra McCracken. And she interviewed him as her first guest on the show called Steadfast, which is essentially Sandra had friends and mentors in her life come on the show and talk about seasons in which they had experienced God's steadfast love. And I think I'm learning about myself that when I am consuming any kind of media that I need to kind of experience it multiple times for it to really sink into me. Um, And so her interview with Steve is one that I've listened to multiple times because they have this great discourse on just the, the tension of, of joy and, and lament that, that we walk. And, um, when I was at Steve's talk today at his, at his workshop, um, we talked about a lot of things and I won't try to get into all of it, but the things that, that stuck, that stuck out to me was he, he posed the question, how can you know the world and still love the world? Um, right. And cause that, that question was coming out of this context of, of essentially as, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, whose kind of call on your life is to imitate Christ in his fullness. Mm-hmm. How, you know, how do we embody Christ essentially in our own respective, so to speak, neighborhoods? And how do you know your respective neighborhoods fully in, in their beauty, but in their, in their brokenness, in their suffering? <clears throat> and yet still love them and hope for them. And what I was really touched by was that Steve was able to essentially present this question and stand in the middle ground of saying, of like a lifetime of reflecting on it and say like, this is what I have like these are this is where i am in my wrestling mm-hmm. with this question mm-hmm. not that um, i have a perfect clean answer or something right yeah um and but he was able to talk about it with such a tenderness of heart and such i would say gentleness and care that you know, oftentimes, at least, at least in the ways that we see sorrow and suffering represented in media, it's meant to take us to a place of of despair mm-hmm. and of, of I, I would even say panic. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, here was a place where we could enter into those those questions, those those un, unresolved tensions in a place that didn't issue pain and yet 
held space for the hope that the the brokenness of the world is not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, so I got to, to talk to him afterwards and say, like, hi, I'm Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you said it too, right? Like, yeah. hi, like, I'm hi. Zach. <laughs> no, it's, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. He... <laughs> um Zach, you're you're too pure for this podcast. No. You're too pure. No, because like I like I he was talking to someone before me and then like he she like walked away and then like we made eye contact. And I just like, <laughs> I just felt like this this gladness. Well, because you told heart. you told me earlier today that you'd listened to this podcast episode that he was on like five times before yeah. this, and it yeah. was deeply encouraging to you. So he, you he, already kind of know this guy a little bit. He approached yeah. him and like recited <laughs> podcast <laughs> script word for right. word. But dude, that's right. a weird thing when you kind of know someone and they've right. like touched your life and yeah. encouraged you, and age, they have no yeah. idea you exist. Well, especially because two days ago I didn't know I was going to be meeting him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Um but I you know, I just thanked him for for everything that he had shared and you like my like arms were crossed and I was like <laughs> and he was like, Oh well what do you do and where are you from? And Oh, like, I'm boring. I'm just a doctor <laughs> of music. Um and I like atonal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the most interesting, humble person. Can we, can we please make a sticker that says atonal stuff? Yeah, I got <laughs> it's like it's on our computers and cars. <laughs> Uh, but he asked me what I did and I was like, Oh, I'm getting a, a doctorate in, in flute performance. And he was like, Oh, I'm so glad that you're doing that. Oh my God. And you think he meant it. He probably meant it. Right. Wow. Yeah. I hope so. And what a and man. Like, and then like towards the end of the conversation, I was just like, well, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And he just, he like reaches over and like takes my hand from like my crossed arms. He's like, I'm so glad you came to. Did he t- did he shake it or did he just hold it for a moment? He held it for a moment and then like shook it. <laughs> for, like, you guys really have like, moments. He sounds like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like, I know. Well, and he was like, talking I'm about so Mr. Rogers like at the beginning of his talk. Of course, he was. Shout out to my Mr. Rogers. Shout out, Fred. We are in Pittsburgh, man. Freddie. And then and then he was also like, oh, I have this Czechoslovakian cellist that I could connect you with. You hear that phrase pretty often, though. So alliteration. I've, I've, I've never yeah. been more touched to receive someone's business card. Wow. <laughs> Zach's like, oh, another Czechoslovakia. <laughs> oh, wow. Dude, I'm very happy for you. I will you. cherish this oh, yeah. for all my uh, days. I didn't know that was such a that's great impactful oh, yeah. encounter. I'm very happy for you. Yeah. So um, what? Uh, and uh, real quick for our listeners, what's this guy's name? His work? Where they can find him or check him out? Or Steve Garber. Um, what podcast did you did you hear him on? Steadfast with Sandra McCracken. It was one season. It was so beautiful mm-hmm. and so encouraging. Um, uh, and so find that episode maybe. And well, you yeah. you guys booked too, right? Yes, I did. Um, and it's got a Van Gogh on the cover. It does have a Van Gogh on the cover. I had like endeavored to not buy any books this weekend because mm-hmm. I was like. I'm, a full bookshelf like i can't find any books and then like after his session i like i walked downstairs and like walked towards the the bookstore and i got to a table and i looked down and it was his book (laughs) um visions of vocation common grace for the common good okay Um, i I had the subtitle all right yeah yeah yeah. Um, sorry sorry there's nothing about van gogh in the subtitle (laughs) no credit given to van gogh (laughs) um but like i looked down and i was like oh well I guess I'll buy it. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. That was awesome. 
Yeah. So that's that is the the beauty of uh, me and Nate were talking about about this before. That is the beauty of this kind of stuff. It's just that stuff happens organically, especially like with a big thing like this. Sometimes you just don't know who you're going to see or who you're going to get to mm-hmm. interact with. You know what? Uh, speaking of that, that's a good segue because I got a beef with uh, with a rapper, and uh, his name's KB. Uh, KB, bro, I reached out to you earlier today. Didn't hear back. Uh, I'm totally kidding, man. You're you're a very busy guy. I, I I would love to have you on the show sometime, though. If you're listening, I know that you are. I'm sure you're a huge fan of Forefront 360. Uh, but in all He's seriousness, been waiting for the right time to come on. Yeah, in all seriousness, the show was amazing tonight. So KB uh, performed um, Saturday night just just a couple hours ago here at the Jubilee Conference. And before I get into that, I've got to give a shout-out to Propaganda, uh, who opened the show. And I had seen, was familiar with Propaganda. I I've heard uh, an episode he, he did on a podcast before and had, was familiar with some of his spoken word poetry, news this creative really interesting guy but i never uh seen him perform live and so that was a that was a real treat um uh he's a great lyricist has a huge uh respect for words and the power of words and knows what he's doing with words he puts words together that you would never expect to be put together and that you wouldn't even think go together um just just check out his stuff his, his lyrics are really rich and poetic and convicting rich and i were talking about how convicting they were um, he, he actually talks quite a bit about politics, I'd say, um, and not like Democrat, Republican. Like, I don't think I even heard those words tonight, but... Uh, I would say, like, political issues. Political issues. Than, like, yeah. And, and uh, usually I that kind of turns me off, which is maybe not, I, I don't know, that's good or bad about my tastes or having my head in the sand or what, I don't know. But this was convicting, and it made me uncomfortable. And he even said that, you know, before he performed a couple <laughs> songs, he's like... Half of y'all in this room are about to feel real uncomfortable. <clears throat> the white people, the white you know, people. like so. And and I was like, oh boy, what's coming? And uh, he's he's like, just trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. And he says hard things. And uh, Rich, you you put it well. You said he was he's honest and raw. That mm-hmm. word raw is perfect to describe his approach. Um, and he makes you feel pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't think he cared at all if we were like care. offended by his sensibilities. No, he he made it made you feel uncomfortable. And God knows we need the church to feel uncomfortable, you know, a little bit. And uh, I, I think he did that and kind of, yeah, just it, it was like a reality check. I'd say a lot of race relation stuff and themes about. Um, gentrification of neighborhoods and cities. He and called out Trader Joe's and Whole Foods by name. <laughs> for, for, and for, microbreweries. And my, That's not a yeah. brand name, but, you know. For a moment, it felt like he was, like, made eye contact with Rich and was just roasting him. <laughs> um, I, you were I'm uncom- not going to say that didn't happen. You were squirming. <laughs> I had to, like, mop up my, dude. you know, my anxiety sweat with my volunteer shirt. <laughs> dude, you were squirming in your seat. Like, I looked over. We both I was looked. like, I feel seen. <laughs> yeah. In my Trader Joe's bag, I had to, like, roll it yeah. up and hide it in my, uh... Dude, that was hilarious. But, no, it's truly convicting, talented guy. I'm really thankful to get to see him. And then, of course, KB came out. And uh, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing KB live a couple times. Um, and whether the dude is playing for... 35 people or 3,500 people, like, he absolutely brings a ridiculous energy to the room and knows how to perform and work a crowd and, like, get people hyped. Like, if you've been at a concert and you're like, 
I don't know, like maybe you're standing next to people that are not into it or maybe you just like, maybe you feel like you're older than, like I felt like I was older and like I was wearing this goofy like outfit that I had to like be look mature in. And so I feel like I couldn't really like enjoy myself at this show. And then he stopped in the middle of the show and was like, you guys are not singing this song like fully. If you're going to do this, we need to do this. So jump in the air, like stop being calculating and just let go and and do this with me. And so I had to walk away from you guys. I got into the crowd of the sweaty college students and we just we 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 turned up. Am I right? I mean, I don't know but if you Cody saw. Cody had to shrug off the mantle of his boring forefront. I did. I was like, go. "Get away! You boys are holding me back." <laughs> and I was just like, I was sweaty and I was having a good time. And uh, I don't know. I could talk all day about KB. I'll just say this: um, I've listened to his music for years, and uh, his commitment to enduring suffering for the sake of Christ and. Uh, honoring God above all things and standing on Christ, even when it's not popular. Like the dude is so talented. He could probably make twice as much money if he stopped talking about Jesus a little bit in his music, but he absolutely does not care. Like he wants to encourage saints and to win saints. Like he, he, he was encouraging us to do that too directly. Yeah. Explicitly. I mean, yeah. like he was like, Hey, like multiple times he mentioned, you know, like in various ways, like why would I want to, you know, have these things that the world can provide? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he was talking about him and, you know, uh, his cohorts and basically mm-hmm. saying like they're the luckiest rappers on the face yeah. of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. His just, uh, the audacity he has to just, I, I really don't know if he cares about like how many Instagram followers he has and like his his worldly success in that sense. I think he's really concerned about like HGA, his glory alone, like glorifying God. And that's that's his motto. And I just feel like he believes that. And he's encouraged me so much over the years. And um, maybe one day he'll be on the show. Did it happen today? No, it didn't, you know. But I'm okay with that, KB. I forgive you. There's grace, bro. There's grace. Also, he's just hilarious. He was telling jokes about Chipotle. The dude has a ridiculous obsession with Chipotle. Just uh, that was really funny. Yeah, it just just I I could I can't say enough about it. But um, I I guess that'll do. Uh, well, the the last thing, he really hates sin and Satan and lies of the world, and is almost militant in the and I use that word in the best way possible against evil in the world, and just gets you so fired up. Like it's good workout music. Like it's just. It I just, think I heard you say the phrase, you'd want to punch through a wall. <laughs> yeah, like I listened to some of his stuff. I'm like, I could punch through a brick wall right now because um, I'm just so fired up and in the best way. So uh, I really enjoyed that. I think that's in a, the best way. In, in the best way. Is, just, he the, is he the guy who has the lyric uh, that you mentioned when Satan brings up your past, bring up his future? Yeah, yeah, that line. When, Satan, when he brings up your past, bring up his future. You know, and obviously the future condemnation and the wrath of God awaiting Satan just like and the other thing is the dude is like well read and smart and sometimes there's this ridiculously stupid stereotype that like hip hop like artists are not intelligent or something or not well read which is just I mean he I mean he's got song listen to sideways sure. you know which is has just always struck me as funny because they're the ones who can like stretch and uh, play around with the English language in ways that n- most of us couldn't dream of. Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah. like, isn't there a statistic that, like, I forget the exact details of this, but, like, 
there was some they did some test that they do on students uh, on Eminem, and he had like one of the most expansive vocabularies of like any mm. living person or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and also like the metaphors and the uh, the ideas that right. if you're gonna write good music. Uh, lyrically especially you need to be able to draw on so many different ideas and tie them together well mm-hmm. precisely yeah i mean it's, yeah, it's so it's, that's always struck me as funny. Right. so difficult to do well yeah. and he just he just kills it um so i was just I, I i'm walking away from that concert feeling refreshed and uh powerful in christ and so yeah i think that that's the highlight of the weekend for me uh i, w- I mean we could talk all night we, i mean we could talk about jackie hill perry's message this morning feels like a long time ago because so much has happened but she really brought it this morning let's uh, just say the message without you know really delving into it the message was good enough that i couldn't leave the convention center today without going to the mobile bookstore and picking up a copy of her book gay girl good guy did you buy so, a copy yeah i bought a copy yeah she's so a real be, deal man. i'll be reading that now she's a real deal and uh I'm not going to start any beef between her and KB, but <laughs> she is a lyricist that I don't know. I don't know if who can compete with her in the 116 click, any of that. So I don't know. I think but, another cool thing, actually, real quick, okay. is the video that they played before uh, her talk where, with the oh, with Genesis. You want to you give 10 seconds on that? Yeah. Was so that? they introduced the idea of uh, like public readings of scripture, like longer readings of scripture um, and within like the Jewish tradition. Um, and then after that, somebody came up and was like, okay, we're going to participate in this a little different, a little, a little more modern spin on it because they did a video. Um, but they had voice actors read, I think it was the first three chapters of Genesis. Um, there was some dramatic music behind it and stuff like that, but combined with professional fully radio theater sound effects. Yes. Lord of the Rings reminiscent music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Me and Sean love that the, uh, all the narrator and all the people that are smart, like God have British accents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And then Eve and Adam are like, I thought I could eat the apple. (laughs) (laughs) And God's like, what have you done? (laughs) Sounds like me. You, the woman you gave me, you know, she, (laughs) you know, she made me eat it. It was great though, because you mentioned this, Cody, when we were walking out, um, Sometimes you read sm- like shorter passages for sermons and stuff. Well, oftentimes, and then you base you know a sermon off of a shorter text. But the long uh, period of time blocked out where we're all participating, focusing on a particular text and thinking about it. I mean, there was a few thoughts that occurred to me then that I've read Genesis, you know, the first few chapters of Genesis many times and just from that extended period of time when you see those three chapters together mm-hmm. like a lot of times if you read a short text yeah. you don't see the ways that the the text is reverberating forward or like playing off of a previous idea or something yeah but chapter and one is so important in understanding chapter three yeah you know, exactly yeah and like just a quick example of that um god says uh when he makes the other trees in the garden of eden that they were um, good for fruit and good to look at. Mm-hmm. And then when Eve decides to eat the the tree from the, um, excuse me, the fruit from the trees that she was not supposed to, mm-hmm. um, that was the thing that she used. Yeah. She said, it, it says that she saw it was good for fruit and, and it looked good basically. Uh-huh. And I never made that connection before. I know. I learned it was like, thing. oh, like this is the this is God's stamp of approval. I'm I'm putting God's stamp of approval on it. Right. I'm participating in the pattern that He already put forward, kind yeah. of thing. But obviously, not so much. But like, you only see that when you read those three chapters together. That was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think it's cool that by doing that, they like set the context for the conversation. Yeah. Because like if you just walked up to someone and was like, hey, let's talk about the fall of man, then <laughs> you're both just like drawing on your most recent knowledge about it and the understanding that you have about it. And maybe it's been a while since you've read about it. And so you're just kind of coming to that conversation. But here it's like, let's set the stage. Let's actually like read the passage together. Let's understand it together. And then let's talk about it. The context has been set. We all have the same knowledge we literally just heard it and now we can talk about it and i feel like maybe to bring it full circle that to me is a big value of conferences mm -hmm. because we meet people all the time and have conversations with them and that's great but we come to that having completely different experiences mm -hmm. and there's value to that but when you meet someone at a conference you meet them at a point of similarity where you have just had the same experience together. You've just learned the same things together. And then the conversation you have after that flows directly out of that context. And it provides that, that ability to have a conversation you can never have otherwise and go deeper than you otherwise could. So that's why I love being at Jubilee. Well said. Well, that, I mean, can you think of a better way to wrap it up? Absolutely than that? Not. I can't. Sheesh, I can't. Let, let me wait for Absolutely a minute. Absolutely not. Let me let me see if I can think of something. Nope. I will try. I will try. <laughs> um, no cap. Tell me no, no cap, please. We, no slang. Um, well, gentlemen, uh, what a night. Um, before before someone falls asleep. <laughs> uh, friends, we we have a ton of fun together. We're we're goofy. We're tired, but we appreciate you listening. Uh, We've enjoyed hanging out with each other. We love each other's company. Uh, we hope that you enjoy spending time with us over the, the airwaves here. And uh, if you do, leave us a rate and review. Write a glowing review. Use those. Uh, we've equipped you, right, to, to create beautiful things. So create a beautiful review. Craft an excellent review. Uh, leave a, anywhere between a five and five-star review. Um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get a wide your wide range of options. Yeah, where, wherever you listen to your stuff, drop five stars on it for your homeboys. All right, HGA, uh, KB, <laughs> you need to talk, man. You hurt me. You hurt me deep, man. Uh, all right. Until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.